If you don't understand what's going on, you're liable to get crazy at this point. Shit. <laughs> Pressure's on. Uh, ah! How about them footballs? <laughs> oh, speaking of fires, uh, did you hear, what is it, the NCAA or the Big Ted? Basically, is they're going against whatever the ruling was, and they're going to start football up again. Which, I don't know. Wow. <laughs> like what are you supposed to say to that that's insane well we have uh, important priorities as americans and uh football is one of them i guess uh more that, brain that, damage that game that people play <laughs> that game that people play that uh leads i mean the if game, there's football fans <laughs> that game people play in high school and then watch for the next 40 years or 50 years however long it takes to die to which is typically earlier i would assume <laughs> given the amount of times you're hitting your head against uh other players at the speed of a car crash so it's it's basically a car crash over and over and over again which i guess is a beautiful metaphor for how 2020 has been going in america at least yeah yeah the world's slowest go- being in a car crash over and over and over again at the same time <laughs> yeah. it feels like time has frozen it's gone to that point where it's like, ah, you know, we can, we know how to fix the car to a certain degree, and it still runs. Let's just ram it into the wall one last time. Yeah, <laughs> smash and grab. Oh, hey. uh, well, I suppose, I suppose, uh, with that, I'll jump into it so we can start talking about what's going on. <laughs> a lot's going on. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very twenty-sixth episode of Rethink Everything. I'm Tyler Giannisini, and I'm here today with Ken Yoshimura. It is so hot. I'm talking about myself. <sighs> no, I, I've got nothing to say. There's like, we're literally where Tyler and I are. We are surrounded by fire. <laughs> <laughs> we are literally smoke. surrounded by hellfire. <laughs> yeah. uh, last night I was looking out, out, out the window and like I could see a tree that was like probably about 100 feet from our deck and then like 10 minutes later it was like oh all right but i guess more smoke has moved in because now i can't see that tree now i can't wow. see 100 feet away from where where i am right now what if it was Pretty a ghost crazy. tree oh ghost tree no no i think it's still there <laughs> oh, it's still, it came back <laughs> to haunt you yeah. <laughs> spooky All right. Well, we are here to rethink some of the things we learned during the 37th week of 2020, the week we caught fire. Ugh, catching fire indeed. I I mean, like, what a perfect way to... What's that adage? It's like going down in a blaze of glory. Oh, yeah. Except there's no glory. Uh, Go out not with a whimper, but with a bang. Uh. Epstein didn't kill himself. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many adages. (laughs) That's that's, that's, that's the new one that the kids are saying. (laughs) Kids are always saying Epstein didn't kill himself. (laughs) They just say the darndest things. They just say the (laughs) darndest things. (laughs) 
Oh, if you, oh man, no, there was a, there's some, uh, <laughs> there were like two things that popped up on Reddit with the Epstein thing that were like one, a video of like Trump trying to kiss this little girl on the lips that oh. he was just like holding in 2016 <laughs> when he was running. Uh, she's like 10. Um, and then the other was, uh, this, oh man, it was the, it was some Epstein related accusations about him. Um, yeah, fun stuff. <laughs> I have seen the one where it's like a, it's like a super cut of all the times Joe Biden is really creepy. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Hey man, if we're gonna if we're gonna burn down anyways, yeah, into the pits of hell. <laughs> I guess a, the collapsitarian. I don't know if collapsitarians were a real thing, but at some point, I had some friends who were claiming to be collapsitarians who were, were just in favor of whatever makes the empire fall the fastest. <laughs> I don't know if that's, it's like anarchy what? with what, but with less morals. I don't know. Is less morals and no plan outside of what's going to happen after things collapse. <laughs> Are they survivalists? Do they know how to build shelter and start fires? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> or are they just uh, going to be completely screwed? Oh, they have a, a real thing. There's no infrastructure. Okay. A collapsitarian, in short, is a person who believes the pu public choice theory is correct and the government induces the greatest tragedy of the commons ever possible huh <laughs> wait so that just sucks <laughs> that it's a doomer it's what people call yeah. doomers yeah yeah i call it uh, uh taking the ball and going home or just pouting yeah pouting it, it's of it's fight club wanting to watch the world burn <laughs> yeah is it for for folks who never got out of their teenage years and didn't realize that Tyler Durden's the villain. Man. Well, speaking of surviving, um, today's guest is a good friend of mine, but also you guys have something very, very similar uh, that you can relate on. You guys have both lived in my bunk oh. as survivalists. <laughs> <laughs> I think I technically lived under the bunk. You, you lived under the bunk. She lived on top of the bunk. You guys, you guys definitely will have a lot to talk about, but from different sides, different perspectives. <laughs> a top bunker and a bottom bunker. <laughs> the top 1% of all bunk beds are on top, but the bottom 99% oh. of all beds are on the floor. 1% of all beds are bunked. <laughs> But without the foundation that you built, then there's no way that she could even be on the top bunk. <laughs> uh, so uh, we'll, we'll be dialing her in. Uh, I, I think given the topic for today and trying to survive these fires with my sinuses completely clogged. Um, <laughs> there's plenty oh, to... <laughs> I'm tired of all these fires. My sinuses are clogged. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <wait. laughs> you know people are just losing their homes but <laughs> i've got the sniffles <laughs> yeah uh, yeah i get the stingy eyes the stingy eyes and the uh blade runner view out the window oh yeah well you have wait. the true blade runner in in los angeles with with the uh 
futuristic Blade Runner. Bradbury Building? Or are you talking about Tesla? Uh, <laughs> or, no, just uh, Elon Musk. <laughs> just generally, uh, Los Angeles, neo Los Angeles being the place, uh, right? Isn't that isn't that where Blade Runner takes place? Is some futuristic Los Angeles, and there's the smog is so bad you just can't see anything. I wanted to say Neo Tokyo, but I'm wondering if I'm confusing Akira, the anime, with Blade Runner. Oh, Neo Tokyo. Uh, Neo Tokyo. Oh, is its is its own film. <laughs> Neo Tokyo. Oh, it it is a dystopian Common future name. Los Angeles, though. You're all right. Oh, Neo Tokyo supposedly is a. It's not any one thing. It's a common name for a future or fictional futuristic version of Tokyo, often depicted in manga, anime, and video games. Oh, Neo manga? Tokyo manga? film. Manga. <laughs> manga. <laughs> oh, my sinuses. Is it manga or manga? <laughs> oh, <it's the> guy. <laughs> so I've never really read, like, I haven't. I think I maybe read like the Sin City graphic novel. I'm not really, I wasn't really a comics person. I haven't read much manga or like, uh, uh, really like Marvel anything. I had a few comics when I was a kid, but I've recently started reading some of the Marvel ones because there was like a free month of, of, um, like a free month of their Netflix for comic books. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's pretty, it's pretty enjoyable. Like I like, there's certain, comics who's like I, I just can't read because the art style is so bad but then some of the other ones are really beautiful like just fantastic artwork yeah so, I, they all seem so disjointed also though so yeah it's weird it's when you go from like different one artists. animator yeah one artist to another and then it's like oh well, I don't want to read anymore oh I heard something <gasps> hello oh. hello <laughs> <laughs> she's arrived sorry <laughs> Had some problems. <laughs> All no. Good. What's up? Not much. Yeah. Yeah. Same. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, so the introduction I gave uh, about you to Tyler is that you guys both have something in, in common. You guys have both lived in my bunk bed. Oh. <laughs> A lot of people have lived there now, huh? Yeah, you guys aren't special. Oh. <laughs> I, I was the first it didn't exist no. before i was there it I is am true it's true oh <laughs> okay so tyler's tyler's the most special actually <laughs> the og me and sam i guess sam yeah. sam was the the like first occasional resident on on top bunk and then i was i was the uh troll underneath the bunk <laughs> <laughs> i think monisha was after that though Oh, right. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then I think Kent would just be the troll under the bunk to work until like 5 a.m. I was the troll under the bunk while you were sleeping. <laughs> oh, wow. I know. Now it looks like you gave it a whole remodel. And then like it got dis it got abandoned again because we have a, a we have another roommate that moved in, so everything got pushed out and then things get pushed in, then things get pushed out. It's a whole thing. It's an evolving camp. You're just running a hostel in there, basically. <laughs> or a brothel. Oh. <laughs> no, no. That, <laughs> that's not true, too. <laughs> if, the, if the NSA is listening. <laughs> Dear NSA. 
<laughs> we didn't do that. That wasn't true. <laughs> that was not true. Tyler was not a prostitute. They don't. Okay. They don't care. <laughs> no, I, I had to give it away. <laughs> couldn't give it away. <laughs> you couldn't. Um, well, anyways, Monisha, do you want to give us a little bit of an intro of who you are, what you're doing, why you're here? Oh, um, sure. <laughs> Uh, Why are you here? So, <laughs> I'm here because Kent texted me yesterday <laughs> asking me to come. And so I'm not really doing anything. And so here I am. <laughs> uh, sorry, I, I would have prepared a better intro. Um, I don't know. I met Kent through mutual friends. Um, so I think chiefly Ryan. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, I don't know. I just I just finished grad school, waiting for my job to start, and uh, kind of doing nothing in the meantime. Surviving, <laughs> or, would you say? Sur- surviving, yes. <laughs> How perfect! Exactly. <laughs> so, are are you somewhere where you're experiencing some of the fallout from the fires? I'm in. Um, I'm near Seattle, so it's still pretty. Oh. smoky out here um okay i'm I'm, yeah. I'm olympia so oh, yes okay. probably uh not too much difference in terms of the air quality yeah i don't think i've seen i saw i felt like a ray of sunshine yesterday for like five seconds and i got really <laughs> excited but then then it went away yeah there's a little yeah, orange think- patch earlier today from the sun coming into my place through the haze <laughs> oh hmm. yeah a well, nice little orange hat this weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm seeing. Well, uh, in any case, I I ask because that's uh, sort of our our uh, launching topic for this week is the well, <laughs> the record temperatures in California, but then uh, the fallout of that, which has been um, fires all up and down the West Coast, which um, I've just been hearing that it's punishment for being blue states, but. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there's any substance to that theory. If only we had guns to fight back the fires. <laughs> Damn. No, I love all the stuff pointing out the irony of the fact that um, the the guns are supposedly to uh, fight back a tyrannical government, but all the all all the guy uh, the militias like loaded up on guns are are just backing up the cops. It's the tyrannical it represents the tyrannical government in this scenario. Whoops. Whoops. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Wait, Monisha, one last thing. What is a what is the job you're going into? Um I'll be going to, mm, unfortunately not. I don't think I could pass any <laughs> any sort of physical test that is required. Um I'll be working in management consulting starting in January. So pretending I know what I'm talking about and telling companies to do certain things. <laughs> <laughs> I think pretending what you know, like, you know, what you're talking about is like the first 20, 20 years of career, right? Like that's just <laughs> how you get, <laughs> how you get to the level that's- where uh, you can start telling kids that they don't know the half of it. <laughs> Yeah, Tyler, Tyler sounds ready. Yeah, that's like a metaphor for life. And Tyler <laughs> <laughs> has a has a good yeah. sense of that. <laughs> so my dark, 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 dark perspectives. 
<laughs> Monisha will make sure to send that sound, just that sound clip to your boss that hires you. <laughs> please, please do not. <laughs> uh, they say fake it, don't make it. Get it online somewhere. Well, uh, yeah, to kick off, um, we're going to jump in and talk about since the the world, it, it looks around us like the world is ending. Uh, we've got the pandemic. We've got the fires. Uh, <laughs> apparently, there's some mosquito disease that's spreading throughout the uh, mid su- mid southern U.S. Um, what? Figured- <laughs> oh, I didn't oh, yeah. know yeah, that. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that. <laughs> Guys, you gotta keep, you gotta keep up. There's something new and terrible every Too day. Much. <laughs> what? <laughs> Have you heard about puppy AIDS? Yeah, it's killing all the puppies and kittens. Don't even joke about that. <laughs> Just Fire's wait. okay. Just yeah. wait. <laughs> Not the puppies. <laughs> uh, life has turned into a reality show, and, and whoever is producing it has gotten bored. <laughs> They're, They're just throwing, the, throwing in everything they got at yeah. us. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, we're going to jump into some uh, apocalypse survival uh, concepts, ideas, uh, how to how to survive the coming apocalypse since, you know, we're in the seem to be seem to be facing the idea that it may be on its way. So if anything, us three know how to survive. Yeah. And our millions of fans and our millions of fans, of course. Cool. We can make a new empire. (laughs) The rethink everything tyranny oh yeah we can just say the location here (laughs) nobody will know other than our listeners and then we know that everybody who shows up there will be friendly wait these guys are in the cloud (laughs) somewhere in nova scotia (laughs) uh yeah you gotta turn that vpn off all right so what's some good what's some good tips how do we survive through the apocalypse because i feel like there's many way many ways an apocalypse can even happen it's like Okay, we could die from climate. <laughs> you know, we could die from the mosquitoes, it seems. At which point, I guess like Bill Gates is trying to eradicate them. So that's good. Um, we have like a savior. We could die from climate change. Like California might be underwater in 20 years. So I guess we could all learn how to swim. Elon Musk might kill us. That's, that's the solution. <laughs> <laughs> we, could all, we could all learn how to swim. Oh. Uh, <laughs> You also, punching a shark in the snout is how you get rid of them. Yep. I did know that, actually. Oh, so you're ready already. Yeah. You should move back to LA. you told me that, though. But but try to punch underwater and see how that goes. And then try to think about how you're supposed to pull that one off. Oh, damn. That's true. It all sounds like fun and games if you're punching in the air, but punching underwater, I don't know how you generate enough momentum. That's like dream punching. Yes. Terrible. Yeah. Oh. I think I did tell you, Monisha, I was like, it was like three in the morning. I grabbed my broomstick while I was working underneath you. And I started like poking the ceiling. And I was like, Monisha. Just so you know, in case of the apocalypse where we're underwater swimming away from sharks. All you got to do is punch them in the nose. There also might be shark robots. If Neuralink can be embedded into a pig, it's very possible that Neuralink can also be embedded into a shark. It's true. You got all this, all these crazy diseases. We could, uh, we could get our our zombie zombie disease like in twenty eight days later. The old zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Zombie, yeah, yeah. Cordyceps, Last of Us. Oh yeah, 
People are really into mushrooms now. I like that spin. I like that spin on it. Yeah, I do love mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Portobello. <laughs> oh, right. No, yeah. <laughs> uh, those are the only... Uh, <laughs> that's the only one I know. <laughs> A brown <laughs> mushrooms. Totally unfamiliar with all the ones except for the ones on pizza. Porcini? I don't even. Sure. <laughs> I just said an Italian word. I don't even know if it's Italian. It's just... <laughs> uh, so, Monisha, do you have do you have any sort of survival background? Do, are you a, are you a camper? Are you an outdoors person? Or or will surviving the apocalypse? Are you going to need the tips? I um, I I was a Girl Scout in elementary school. Okay. Okay. I think I only really learned which way to roll my sleeping bag out of that you know <laughs> which so, like the air goes out oh. <laughs> so towards the opening <laughs> towards the opening you know it's a tough concept when you're seven there's <laughs> a good good survival foundations yeah yeah um and i wouldn't say that i've really built upon my survival toolkit since then um so i'm probably needing the tips I don't know that I have have very many. Okay. Trust no one. <laughs> yeah, that, that was our first tip. Trust no one, not even yourself. Like <laughs> so, a little. I'll, I'll give a little background for myself, just because I think it's relevant in terms of the survival context. Is I grew up in the middle of the woods, and like, kind of being allowed to go wander through the woods. Like now being a parent and thinking about how young I was able to just go wander off into the woods by myself at a terrifyingly young age, but, <laughs> but all this like survival stuff of like, uh, making rope out of tree bark or, um, like what? learning how to carve things. Uh, like those were just fun things to do when I was a kid. Um, but I can't say that I know, like, I can't say I know how to purify water. Uh, I can't say I know how to do too much functional, just like young, too typical uh, young man stuff where you doof around with knives and and pretend like you could make a spear and go fishing or something. You have a blowgun. I do have a blowgun now. Yeah, now I could catch a squirrel. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> pretty squirrel handy. Or a bird. Yep. There's also squirrels. You could you could survive for a while. <laughs> It'd probably thin them out pretty quick. I think. I wonder how many squirrels a, a, a family of three goes through. <laughs> yeah, it's like squirrel again. <laughs> Kent, I know you go you go hiking pretty regularly. Do you camp equally as much, or is it more like day day hike type type stuff? Do you do the? I do go camping, and also I recently just finished this Netflix series called Alone, where it's a reality TV show where all these people have to survive in the woods, and after learning from that show, I think uh, I think I can survive for a few days until I start craving uh, the taste of human flesh. Naturally. Oh, of course. Naturally. Naturally. <laughs> it's only been three days, Kent. I know. <laughs> we must cannibalize someone immediately. <laughs> well, uh, thankfully, uh, Insider.com has some 
some actual functional tips for us since um, from what I'm gathering, we wouldn't necessarily be able to build our Rethink Everything Society without a little extra information. Right. So yeah, I'll jump in, jump in. Uh, the first tip makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, a lot of people will stockpile like, oh, they'll have an emergency food supply, emergency water supply. But if we're thinking about the end times, what you want is a seed supply. So you can start planting some some food as soon as you carve out that that new society. Ah, like the Martian. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Just like the Martian. You're going to want potato seeds and exclusively potato seeds. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was that was that what happened in the Martian? Uh, well, that's what I, I fell asleep like halfway through. I think when I fell asleep, <laughs> he was like planting a lot of crops. How are you going to Which apparently were only potatoes. Some, some sort of, they were growing potatoes for one reason or another, but then it was all, all that was there. It seems like a bad yeah. experiment if you're only working with potatoes, but that's what he had. And he had to grow them from his feces. I knew that part too. Yeah. Does that work? Does do human feces work as good fertilizer? No, it's a because it's a true story. Matt Damon actually went to Mars. Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, they, I, I think it's some. Oh, I feel like there was something where where they tried to replicate that and showed that yes, it seems as though that would be possible. Interesting. Did he? He grew a lot of crops, but how about them apples? Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apple seeds probably not a not a great one to stockpile for the end time since probably wait like have 10 to 15 wait years. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So I guess yeah, pumpkin seeds. You know my dad's been farming actually like he basically turned our backyard into a farm and put not potatoes. Tomatoes grow extremely well as mm. long as the temperature is warm and there's a lot of sun and they don't require oh, too much water so we're we're ready yeah the west coast is already ready for tomatoes and they can be sun-dried in a little in in the fires <laughs> you're already moving to preserving them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah sun-dried on the vine uh well the, the follow-up tip uh, on or the second tip in this uh, series is in the event of an apocalypse you'll probably want to get out of large cities and towns um uh, you could that probably uh yeah i'd say that's that one's a no-brainer so that's the mo that's the place you're most likely to get stabbed for whatever you have in after the apocalypse happens um then the next tip actually makes quite a bit more sense which is find a rural area where you can live off the land that's where those seeds are going to come in handy. Man. Mm. And real estate is cheap there, which is good. <laughs> I don't yeah, even the, know that you need to go through the whole like legal process in the apocalypse. <laughs> These times we're just acquiring it de facto. It's one of those things, though, where like people do that do live in these rural places have guns. Yes. And we don't. Our, us city folk just don't have guns. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a gun. So <laughs> I'm gonna get a gun. So how do we it, it, do? We have to do some gun on gun violence, or like how do we gun? <laughs> how do we take over that land? Just like raise their taxes? I think I think what you do is you sneak in, 
white flag raised sort of a, Hey, we'll offer you, um, uh, our bodies and our labor to help with your place. You get oh. in close <laughs> and then you get their gun away from them. Oh, get, get them in the night and then oh. take over their homestead. Trickery. <laughs> Trickery. Hmm. Yeah. Well, can. what if they have more than one? Uh, <laughs> I wonder if next you could homestead. be like next homestead. Hey, look at all those liberals over there in that city. We got to take them on. <laughs> and then they go to the city and we oh take their farmland. Okay. Ah. Have, have you heard uh, that in Oregon, there are people in rural counties that are stopping people at gunpoint if they don't recognize their car? Because I guess Facebook has been telling people that the liberal activists are coming out of the cities and starting fires and looting people's like rural homes. Wait, point. what? Yeah. What? This is part of the fun, uh, don't believe what you read on Facebook, but supposedly, yeah, uh, people are just spreading around things saying that uh, left-wing terrorists are moving out of their cities and coming for you out in the country. Oh, I guess are this we is like fucked? a partial headline. <laughs> 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 uh, like... Holy shit. Well, we're, we're discussing the apocalypse <laughs> tent, though. It's based in reality. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yes. Oh, yeah, my I know. A lot of people are saying that, there's, that they don't see a peaceful outcome to the election, no matter who wins, which is scary. Oh, boy. There, an interesting fact alongside, like, the if to, to go deeper into where you should run away to. Um, <laughs> Uh, from the insider also that i found funny was if a zombie plague hits you and your city go to boston it's one of the safer places to be in Hmm. and i'm just like boston's not even the safest place to be in now (laughs) (laughs) it actually becomes safe only when zombie apocalypse (laughs) all the because all the bostonians are like "Ah, i guess there's no more sports like what what do we do now (laughs) I guess just be nice. <laughs> so what? what a how terrible do you... <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> so what? Uh, what? What is it that makes it so desirable? I guess um, like a career builder's analysis arm tried to determine which U.S. cities would be the most and least likely to make it through a virus-based zombie apocalypse scenario. And the study scored the U.S.'s 53 largest metropolitan areas on eight different factors in four categories. Ability to defend against the virus, the ability to contain the virus, the ability to find a cure, and the ability to outlast the epidemic with an ample food supply. Boston came out on top with strong scores across the board. But New York was determined to be the worst. <laughs> that's pretty close to Boston, though. That's what I'm talking about. I, that can't do a Boston accent. Monisha, do a Boston accent. <laughs> I can't do it either. <laughs> no, no, my only frame of reference for like a Boston accent is the movie Spider-Man for some weird reason. Oh, wait, not Spider-Man. Hey, I'm swinging here. <laughs> that's the New York. Oh, so just that one. Spider-Man takes place in New York. <laughs> <laughs> Which is even okay. So I'm two layers removed from a Bostonian accent. Wait, what about like The Departed? Hey, I'm shooting you. 
Hey, I'm throwing you out the window. The departed. Uh, the uh, the uh, Goodwill hunting. Yeah. How about dead apples? <laughs> it's it's getting worse. Stop. <laughs> you gotta stop. I can't stop. Uh, the apocalypse is upon us. Uh, um, you're Tyler. You're saying uh, disinfecting water. Uh, you don't know how to do it, but apparently it's actually pretty easy to do. Um, uh, I'm listening. <laughs> if you have just a little bit of bleach, and don't drink all of it, or else the <laughs> coronavirus inside you that's protecting you will also die. But uh, <laughs> I don't know what accent that was either. Uh, but <laughs> as long as you make just at least a 5% dilution of bleach in your water, one, it's safe to drink, and two, it's disinfected. So pool water is actually pretty safe. In cases of emergency, they say uh, the first thing you want to do is fill up your bathtub because that's going to serve as your safe drinking water for however mm. long that bathtub stays filled. I always forget about that. Yeah, you're supposed to do that before the power goes out too. Yeah. Uh, and so you could also take drink- a nice bath, you know, when uh, shit hits the fan. I- I feel like when I, you're really stressed. <laughs> yeah, well, oh, I'm so stressed. The zombies. Oh. Yeah, everybody, everybody chuckled it up at, at Trump saying you should inject bleach, but this is saying we drink five percent liquid bleach in our water, and that that's a safe amount. That sounds sounds yeah. suspect to me. He's just he was preparing us for the end times. We just didn't want to <laughs> listen to him. Gosh, fake news. (laughs) We got fake news, don't it? Do you know that this is not this is not on our list? But did you ever see the movie The Edge with uh, Anthony Hopkins and Alec Baldwin? No. No. (laughs) Okay, so that I guess the 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 nutshell is this: this rich guy and like a few of his business partners are going on this vacation to this lodge in Alaska, and um, their their little private plane uh winds up crashing and the super rich guy who's like been reading books his whole life is kind of soft and his like assistant dude are are there then in the wilds and having to survive with like a grizzly who has found them and is is tracking them but the 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 concept is the old guy like through all his book reading knows all these crazy survival skills so he knows like how you how you kill a grizzly bear with a with a spear that you make out in the woods based on this this tribe that used to do the same thing um he knows yeah he has this (laughs) he said he like he knows that you can shine shoes with the inside of a banana peel he's just full of these facts but like one of the ones that always comes to my mind is like he he says that uh you can make fire from ice so like if you have uh like a you know a a sheet of ice over like a frozen body of water or whatever. You can break out a piece and melt it into a lens and use the the sun to create fire from it. So oh. if, you're, if you ever need to make a fire in, in rural Alaska where there's a frozen body of water, now you know that tip. How true is that? I mean... Because that sounds like the ice would melt. It seems like it wouldn't last long. Well, so if you're below, if you're below freezing, you can melt it in your hands and then kind of stop melting it, and it should hold for a bit. Um, 
but yeah, I assume it's not like not a great, uh, not a very reliable solution, but it's got to be possible, right? Like all you got to do is get enough sunlight into one space. Theor- theoretically. Yeah. Yeah. Has it been done? I wonder. You, you could also crush the ice and turn it into a snow cone. I was going to say margarita. But. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're never going to make it. We're never going to make it. We're never going to survive. Yeah. Guys. <laughs> but we'll be stress-free. <laughs> In the bathtub. In the bathtub, drinking our Alaskan ice margarita. Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> well, I, I, like speaking of survival stories, I know... Th- uh, we also looked up a few survival stories so we could learn by example. Um, Monisha, do you know any good survival stories or any crazy ones that you could think of? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like the Donner Party, but that's not survival, I guess. Uh, yes. Human flesh. <laughs> the, um, your weakness. <laughs> oh. Gotta get away. Um, survival story. I mean, the Donner Party is a good one. That's a crazy story. I don't know. I read some headline recently where some like teenager got lost in the. Yeah, I don't know. This is a bad example because I only know like half of the information. But this teenager got like lost on in the woods, like on a hike or something, for three days, but survived somehow. <laughs> and that's it. How though? So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we realized they were just camping. she just ran off for a little (laughs) i really wouldn't worry about it we always only have about half the information too so (laughs) (laughs) we just roll confidently roll with it um which is how you should live life (laughs) actually so after a couple episodes we talked ago we talked about like people getting lost in the wilderness and like then i on uh recommendation from our guest merrily i went and watched the um missing 411 documentary which is just like oh the amount of people that disappear in the national parks is crazy it's oh my god crazy it's like it's enough to not really uh, i mean i wouldn't want to i wouldn't want to go somewhere where if i like fell and broke my leg that nobody would stumble upon me that's for sure Actually, do you know the missing 411 stories, Monisha? No. Ooh. It's what like are they? Kids disappearing. Make it, give her a creepy one. Give her a creepy one. <laughs> I mean, so, the, okay. So, uh, I guess the one that seemed like really, so there's a few. It's the, what the commonalities between them seem to be that like, it doesn't make any sense for the kids to have gone the direction they went. So there was one kid who actually survived and he was like three years old or something like ridiculously young um, and somehow traveled miles and miles and miles to where he was eventually found. He doesn't remember anything, but um, they have the survivor man guy, uh, Les Stroud go and try to recreate it. And you watch him just like trudging through all this, uh, kind of hazardous brush ridden countryside and there's just it doesn't make any sense that a kid could make that journey on their own that would uh, and they would continue walking that far without getting tired and just like sitting laying down um there's another one where a kid disappeared off of a trail like 
just right near right near uh one of their family members and then um i forget how long later i want to say it was like a month later they found like a sock a perfectly removed sock and then like some of his clothes up the hill uh, up this really steep grade hill um kind of almost too perfectly preserved and too perfectly removed from the body with no remains of the body. So like the claim is that, or what they tell the father who has to deal with this is, is like, Oh, some animal probably got him and drug him up the hill and like whatever. But like would an animal eat all of the, all of the body, all of the bones and like perfectly remove the clothes. Uh, there's just these weird, weird scenarios where it's like either creepers are, using the uh, national parks as uh, places to disappear children or uh, there's something spookier afoot. I have, I have one here on Reddit where a kid whose family, this is the case of Dennis Martin, a kid whose family met another family who also had the surname Martin in a national park. And both of the family's kids started playing hide and seek together. The dad watched his son Dennis duck down behind a bush, but then he never came out again. The following nonsense then occurred. From the Green Beret showing up to another family seeing a large man slash bear carrying something on his shoulders after hearing a blood curdling scream to an FBI agent that was, the investigate, that was investigating the case, supposedly committing suicide. There are many other strange points to that story as well. So that, it wasn't, it's, it's more of a comment on Reddit, so it wasn't written well, but um, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> and I also didn't read it well, but... <clears throat> Anyways, don't get lost in the woods. Don't, 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 don't go there. Don't, just don't, yeah, even don't go, go there. <laughs> so one of my favorite, <laughs> have you seen Life of Pi or read Life of Pi, Monisha? Both, yes. Oh, oh, so you already know this story. Well, you can, you can explain it to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is, this is the story that Richard Parker um, and the life of Pi was actually based off of. It's the story of the Minionette, which is these people who basically got lost out in the ocean. So this crew goes out, and about two months into the trip, the Minionette sinks, and four crew members, including a 17-year-old named Richard Parker, who managed to grab a couple tins of turnips, were able to get into a 13-foot lifeboat. 19 days later, stranded out in sea, things weren't looking so hot, and Thomas Dudley, the captain, suggested that Parker, with no wife or family and much sicker than the rest because he was only 17, could be quickly dispatched for the survival of the rest. It was agreed. Dudley stabbed Parker in the neck with a penknife, and then they ate his flesh and drank his blood. Oh. They got rescued a few days later. Oh. <laughs> and in maritime law... There is this Richard versus Dudley and Stevens case, which is a leading English criminal case which established a precedent throughout the common law world that necessity is not a defense to a charge of murder. It concerns survival cannibalism following a shipwreck and its purported justification on the basis of a custom of the sea. And it led to speaking of human flesh and eating other people. Is cannibalism a justifiable survival effort or simply considered just murder man that's a tricky one you don't want to legalize murder someone could have just be a little hungry <laughs> right because like if they did let's, let's say they were out on sea for like another month and 
you know, eating Richard Parker allowed them to live. And he was going to uh, he's like, he was going to die anyways. I guess maybe the argument is just like wait for him to die. Then eat him. <laughs> it's like a contest. I don't know. Don't you want to have like fr- would you rather have sushi that's been sitting out in the sun for a few days? Or would you rather have fresh sushi? It's <laughs> a, a good point. It's uh, a good point. That is a good point. I should have been the lawyer. I should have been the lawyer in that case. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so, sorry. What did the law say? Or is it not resolved yet? No, it got resolved. And basically, it was a a custom of the sea for it to be okay to do that. And given the fact that this was a case where they just straight up murdered Richard Parker, the law ruled in favor of the murdered party. And oh, okay. And the rest of the crew went to jail for, I believe, six months. <laughs> it wasn't that long, uh-huh. but uh, they, they, they did go to jail for for some period of time. It was like six, six, a few years or something. You go think about what you did, <laughs> but only for a little. Yeah. I'm so yeah. hungry. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I could give that give that punishment with much with much justification as a judge yeah I'm like oh you're guilty but i don't know i might have done it who knows show me a picture of richard parker oh did he look tasty <laughs> yeah he does look good but if he didn't look tasty <laughs> harder to sympathize yeah well there's uh, another another amazing survival story is the story of uh julian Kripka. kopke K-O-E-P-C-K-E. Yeah, yeah. This was a, well, she's now a woman, but uh, at the time, a 17-year-old girl named Julianne who uh, survived a two-mile fall into the rainforest on Christmas Eve, 1971. Sole survivor of her airplane flight, uh, a passenger plane that was headed to Pucalpa. Uh, everything was fine until the airplane was struck by a bolt of lightning where the plane nosedived and crashed into the Amazon rainforest. Uh, which I thought airplanes I just, were supposed to be fine from lightning strikes because it's not grounded. Uh, yeah, how does that work? Um, maybe it blew out the electron. You know what? I don't know. I don't know. Crazy. <laughs> don't Crazy. know how it happened, but I know it happened. Um, I think if you if you dropped me, took me in a limousine, you know, in 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 very plush conditions and dropped me into the Amazon rainforest, I would I would have a hard time walking out. Uh, just given that the Amazon seems like everything wants to kill you. Oh yeah. Even if it doesn't mm-hmm. want to kill you, it just might kill you just by accident. Yeah. But uh, she she woke up the next day alone after being unconscious uh, post-flight. She only had one shoe. The other half of her sandals were lost and a mini dress. She had a broken collarbone, deep cuts, and a concussion. She uh, had spent two years with her parents on their research station prior to this. She had learned a bit about surviving in the rainforest, and she used that knowledge to her advantage. She was also short-sighted and did not have her spectacles. Um, like give her every challenge that she like detriment that she possibly can yeah i know one shoe an address 
and uh, get her out there and see how she does. Also, she um, stubbed her toe on the landing. It hurts a lot. <laughs> she she only had a bag of candy for food. Um, Jelly beans, but it was all the red flavor. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she walked. So she her her strategy was to walk in the water, um, knowing that that was safer. So uh, seems less poisonous stuff in creeks. So she followed. Um, basically followed waterways uh where it was super hot during the day very cold at night and rained several times a day so no real reprieve from moisture uh by the 10th day she finally found a boat by a gravel bank and a trail leading to a shelter she had a womb wound on her arm that was actively infested with maggots uh which she treated by pouring gasoline on dang um the next day, the it seems the people who owned the shelter or used the shelter um, came out of the forest. She spoke to them in Spanish and explained what happened. They treated her wounds, gave her something to eat, and took her back to civilization. The real tragedy, though, is uh, she later found out after being rescued that she wasn't the only survivor of the initial crash. Her mother had survived the crash but passed several days after. So oh, was shit. still in the crash site when um, when Julianne was uh, walking out, which is just 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 terrible. They could have survived together, basically, possibly. Or the mother could have held her back. Yeah, that's true. They might have both not made it. Um, Dang. I guess if 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 the mom wasn't able to get out of the crash on her own, I'm going to say that probably there wasn't much that could have been done there's not much detail given on on the condition of the mom just that she was she did survive the crash i sometimes wonder what that would i mean i don't know if i survive at all <laughs> honestly in the jungle i've never been to the amazon before either but i i don't have like a fear of flying generally like are, like there's are these cases common or is it only with small airplanes uh, as far as i know it's usually smaller planes but i mean i you i think your thing is you hear about it if it's a bigger plane right like uh, yeah i guess so like the malaysian flight that just disappeared into the ocean and no one ever found it again right like it doesn't it it doesn't go under the radar when it's a bigger plane which seems to indicate that it, it's not as common with those yeah uh i had a i had a dream right before taking a flight to hawaii one time like that vivid dream about my my plane crashing into the ocean and then had to go Ooh. sit on a plane to Hawaii. And I'm not really like superstitious, but it's just like an eerie, like, uh, why'd it have to be exactly like this trip? It's just over a bunch of ocean and then crashing into the ocean. But. Yeah, I, I feel like the chances of surviving in that scenario may be higher just because, I don't know, they have, they have like the flight paths and everything versus you just yeah. crash into the jungle. They have your flight path, but you're in the fucking jungle. Like, yeah under the tree line. there's yeah there's probably like it's probably so hard to find you and there's also like jaguars and anacondas yeah crazy all well, the creatures trying to kill you yeah and not just humans we also know how to survive shark attacks now so crashing into the ocean won't be as dangerous <laughs> exactly that's crazy um we got one more story this is I believe this guy has the record of 
being out in the ocean and surviving alone longer than anyone else. Um, have you heard of this guy? Uh, Jose Salvador Alvarenga, a pretty common household name. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, no. Well, we'll tell you about him. Because he survived 14 <laughs> months at sea in a fishing boat with another man ooh, who happened to die during the <laughs> Who died during the voyage? It's just that phrasing. <laughs> yeah, that's the way Wikipedia wrote it. You know, like they, <laughs> with another man. Um, oh, homophobia coming. Did from he me. eat the guy? Well, well let's let's find out. <laughs> um. So this guy Jose Alvarenga set out from the fishing village of Costa Azul near Pichichichi, Japan. P-I-J-I-J-I-J-A-P-A-N, off the coast of Chiapas, Mexico. Alvarenga, an experienced sailor and fisherman, was intent on a 30-hour shift of deep-sea fishing during which he hoped to catch sharks, marlins, and sailfish. But his usual fishing mate was unable to join him. So he took another man. He arranged instead to bring along the inexperienced Ezekiel Cordoba, with whom he had never worked or even spoken. <laughs> Shortly after embarking, again, this is Wikipedia writing it. I'm just reading it. <laughs> Shortly after embarking on their voyage, I added that voyage part. Their boat, a seven meter, twenty three foot, topless fiberglass skiff, equipped with <laughs> with a single outboard motor and a refrigerator sized icebox for storing fish, was blown off course by a storm <laughs> that lasted five days during which the motor and most of the portable electronics were damaged though they had caught nearly 500 kilograms or 1100 pounds for us americans of fresh fish the pair were forced to dump it overboard to make the boat maneuverable in the bad weather Ooh. having neither sails nor oars but only their love no anchor no running <laughs> lights and no other way to contact shore the boat began to drift across the open ocean much of the fishing gear was also lost or damaged in the storm, leaving Alvarenga and Cordoba with only a handful of basic supplies and very little food. As days became weeks, Alvarenga and Cordoba learned to scavenge their food from whatever sources presented themselves. Alvarenga managed to catch fish, turtles, jellyfish, and seabirds with his bare hands, and the pair occasionally salvaged bits of food and plastic refu refuse floating in the water. They collected drinking water from rainfall whenever possible, but more frequently were forced to drink turtle blood or their own urine. Who crazy? Turtle Thank blood. <laughs> yeah, it actually, it might not be too bad. I just wonder why that blood over any other blood. Like versus like seagull blood, for example. Yeah. Yeah. So it not enough blood in those seagulls. So those seagulls are just just trash birds, you know. <laughs> apparently around four months into the voyage cordoba lost all hope after becoming sick from the raw food and eventually died by refusing to eat so turtle blood was a saving grace alvarenga has said that he contemplated suicide for four days after cordoba died but that it was his strong religious faith that ultimately prevented him from doing so however alvarenga declared he had always been an atheist and never entered a church Alvarenga claims that Cordoba made him promise not to eat his corpse when he died, so Alvarenga mm. kept his corpse on the boat and even spoke to it. After six days, he realized his own insanity and threw the corpse overboard. He also stated that while at sea, he frequently dreamed out his favorite foods as well as his parents. So 
he apparently ran into a bunch of transoceanic containers, but none of them were able to help. Um, he kept track of time, and eventually he abandoned his boat, was able to find a remote corner of the Marshall Islands to which he swam to shore, stumbled onto a beach house owned by a local couple, and survived 438 days out in sea where his journey came to an end. That's crazy. Wow. A year at sea. And he uh, lost his lover. That's the most no. tragic part. Cordoba sounds like an asshole. Who, what, what, uh, Cordoba makes him promise not to eat his corpse when he died? Oh, no, no, no. There was uh, no promise of not eating his corpse. Oh, actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah Cordoba <laughs> makes him promise not to eat his corpse. He said, promise me you won't eat me when I die. I'm like, but why? For some weird reason, I twisted it in my head. It, like, it was a love story in my head. So it was just like, please, <laughs> please don't eat me when no, I die. <laughs> don't eat any other man except me when I die. <laughs> but no, it was, uh, don't, yeah. He didn't, he, he promised not to eat his corpse. Yeah, that's crazy. I would have just been like, fuck it, eat me. But only on the third date. I so don't know if I would have just like kept attempting to live after that much time. Yeah, I mean, 438 so days. Like, uh, People yeah. literally get bored after like a month of quarantine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm about to re- ready to eat one of my cats. I, I don't know how this day may <laughs> Gosh, it's insane. Apparently, he got like a million dollars for uh, like he released like a book and, you know, that's his claim to fame now. Mm. But... Hmm. It's like it's crazy. I saw uh that um when he came back, his vital signs were all quote unquote good, with the exception of blood pressure, which was unusually low. Um that's pretty crazy. Huh. It's just like uh yeah, it's like a pretty healthy experience overall. Oh <laughs> traveled five thousand five hundred to sixty six thousand seven hundred miles, which is also amazing i mean just looking at it if you look at the distance between or just like look at the map and the distance between uh where he started and the the marshall islands it's really impressive yeah that's <laughs> he went straight through the garbage patch garbage patch probably wasn't as impressive at that point though and the fact that it's just like their boat his boat never sank it just he just so happened to just float Pretty crazy. Pretty badass. He was pretty badass. Yeah. What a guy. The un, un, unyielding human spirit. Unyielding human spirit. Man. Well, there was one other disaster that happened this week. It's really bad. Mulan. <laughs> I was like, oh no, what is it? You thought mosquitoes? Carrying a forbidden disease is bad. <laughs> Mulan. Did you see it? No, I didn't. <laughs> but I really wanted it to be good, and I just hear negative to mixed reviews. I'm so ashamed. I don't even know why. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it. I I enjoyed the cartoon. I was a little offended that Eddie Murphy wasn't brought along for the ride for this one. Dude, uh, it was... I've only heard bad things. 
It's, okay, it's not to not to derail the convo, but so short short. I'll give three reasons why it's bad. Let me think about it. One, she <laughs> <laughs> she is a prodigy since the very very beginning. So they basically make her out to be a superhero. Versus in the original Mulan, she works extremely hard alongside the men to show that even women, just like any other human being, hard work allows you to get to where you need to be. Two. Yeah, okay. Eddie Murphy's not in it. It's like a fucking phoenix, like some magical phoenix that like flies around everywhere and it, it like has no significance in the movie whatsoever. Three, Mulan is a dick. Like she literally is such an <laughs> unlikable character and none of the other characters are fleshed out at all, except for this witch character who's also a woman, so like is friends with Mulan and tells Mulan that she's like, she needs to stand up for girl power. That's when like the narrative flips into her becoming the strong woman who takes off all her armor. <sighs> Anyways. <sighs> also, it's $30. So. <laughs> also, it's $30! <laughs> Crazy. You know, you know what made Mulan special was not, not her hard work and perseverance, but it was just superpowers, like a Marvel movie. It's superpowers, she, and she's a woman. Because, <laughs> ah, god damn it. Anyways, does, does that are there other female characters, or are a hundred percent of the female characters in New Mulan mystical and magical? A hundred percent of the characters for the majority of the film are mystical and magical. The only other female characters they show are secondary caricatures of females who mm. all they care about is getting married, which makes women, oh. which puts women in even worse of a light. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. I'm going to have to watch that. <laughs> I'm not suggesting it, but you should torrent it. The pirate base has a pretty good copy yeah. of it. <laughs> not that I know, but yeah, I would. I mean, I would never do that, NSA. If you're listening, <laughs> um, so to make yeah. up for it, we had to look up strong women that didn't have magical powers, but were badass in their own right, like the original Mulan. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, the 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 first one that you had uh, you had turned me on to was not one that I had ever heard of, but pretty badass, pretty badass. Uh, Ching Shi. Is that uh, no idea? No, <laughs> I'm not Chinese. <laughs> no idea if I'm <laughs> no idea if I'm pronouncing it right. Um, it's probably got to be it. But uh, started started from the bottom, um, in in a handful of ways, myriad myriad ways. Uh, a prostitute aboard one of Canton's floating brothels. She was carried off to merit Mary Pirate Commander Cheng Yi. Uh, Cheng wasn't accustomed to doing much asking, but his lady <laughs> love had conditions. She wanted an equal share in his plunder and a say in his pirating business. The husband and wife team was a success, but lasted just six years before Cheng Yi was killed in a typhoon. At his death, his wife took over his name. Ching Shi means widow of Cheng and his fleet. Creative. Um, I love that she comes into the relationship, the pirate relationship as a prostitute being like, well, I'm, I'm going to need, I'm going to need equal share of this, of this, this pirate booty you got going on. Uh, booty for booty. <laughs> Fair trade. 
But as uh, uh, so after she takes over, she's now head of one of Asia's biggest pirate crews, the Red Flag Fleet. Uh, she revealed herself to be the brains of the operation. Her strength wasn't in sailing, but in strategy. By 1808, her force had grown so formidable that the Chinese government sent its ships to defeat it. Faced with the Red Flag Fleet's firepower and Qingxi's inspired naval strategizing, the Armada failed as did those subsequently sent by the British and Portuguese navies. That's so crazy. Like, where do you learn inside of a brothel to strategize on naval tactics? I'd assume you aren't given that information from your, you know, your your mama or your your pimp. The art of whore came to mind. <laughs> a potential, a potential where you'd learn these strategies. Like it's an uh, art of war. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exa- yeah. I think uh, I think we need to make that book happen. Oh my god! But we, it, it has to be anonymous. It has to be written by some like different name, like Monisha Sabness. Oh, <laughs> whoa! <laughs> it can't be. A, we're in really tense times right now, Monisha. <laughs> <laughs> Two men writing a book like that? Uh-oh. Just won't wait. work. Won't so fly. we gotta go. We gotta go. Wait. Oh, okay. So it's in the old days, women had to write under men's names. Now, as men, we have to write under women's names. So we'll be taken seriously, right? Yeah. Times <laughs> are tough, huh? <laughs> so, and okay, sorry, I'm now just like thinking about what. The perspective then at in those days of like the Chinese government, the British government and the Portuguese government is when um, this female led pirate brigade is uh, like just shrugging off your your entire Navy. Amazing. Yeah, there's like us like emasculated the entire time. <laughs> and, 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 and to, just to show it, uh, China's government eventually offered a truce. Which I think is hilarious. I think um, I believe when you're offering a truce to someone who's beating you, uh, it's a little bit more of a surrender, but we'll go with truce. Uh, Maybe in the brothel, depending on who their clientele was, mm, they picked up conversation pieces, you know? She's getting those hot tips. Yeah. Actually, you'd be a perfect... Prostitutes are perfect spies if you play the game right. I guess they're called escorts now. Spies. (laughs) Escorts and prostitutes are not the same, Ken. Oh, oh, yeah, you're no, no, no. They're not the same. It's a different level of service. One, uh, one has respect for. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm just not even gonna go there. But seriously, though, like if if I were a CIA agent, have you seen that South Park episode where the cop goes in and like he's <laughs> he pretends to be a prostitute to break out, like break this prostitute ring up, but he goes a little too far. Anyways, it's a great episode. <laughs> it sounds familiar. I just can't go into too much detail on a podcast where like there might be children under 18 that listen to it. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, sorry, I just started having flashbacks of all the things we've talked about on the show and oh, thinking yeah. about it from the perspective of if children are listening. <laughs> I, I put the ex- I mark explicit on our episodes. As, as, uh, as, yeah, yeah. To I our think, millions of okay. under 18 fans, um, please. That don't exist. Uh, yeah, the, please just don't. Just stop listening. <laughs> That's pretty badass. And then she like, did she just like retire to like a nice happy life? <laughs> yeah. So uh, it seems like part of her, uh, part of the agreement for, uh, from the Chinese government is she got stunningly favorable terms from the emperor 
in exchange for disbanding her fleet, she won amnesty for all but a handful of her men, the right for the, the crew to keep their loot, got jobs in the armed forces for any pirate who wanted it, and the title of lady by imperial decree for herself. Damn. Retired to Canton to mm. open her own gambling den, married her second in command, and died a grandmother at the ripe old age of 69, 69 dude. dude. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Damn. That's badass. Yeah. I want this movie. Wow. She's like a she's like the Kim Kardashian of her time. What? I, mm. she, you we we do all this work to flatter this woman oh. and honor her honor her legacy <laughs> and you compare her to Kim Kardashian. Yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> Don't do her like that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> I guess there's a lot I have to learn about. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I've still got a lot to learn. <laughs> Maybe I should rewatch Mulan and uh, really Ugh. understand what it means to. Oh. Uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, the second person on our list is uh, actually, actually, she's from the Hun side. She's a Mongolian princess from the 13th century when Khans ruled Central Asia, and you couldn't even go 10 minutes without some Genghis, <laughs> without some Genghis, <laughs> some Kubal or Monkey trying to take over your step. So women had to be well-versed in badassery. In a society where skill on a horse and having a bow and arrow was more important than brute strength, Mongol women made just as stout herders and warriors as their men counterparts. One woman, however, had the combination of both skill and might. Her name was Kutulan, and she was not only a devastating cavalry woman, but one of the greatest wrestlers the Mongols had ever seen. Born around 1260 to the ruler of a swath of what is now known as Western Mongolia and China, she helped her father repel repeatedly the invading hordes commanded by the, mount, the mighty Kublai Khan, who also happened to be her great uncle. Everyone's related. Her favorite tactic was to seize an enemy soldier and ride off with him. <laughs> I just find that so funny. The explorer Marco Polo recounted, as deftly as a hawk pounces on a bird. Wait. <laughs> no, I, I feel like her. I need more details as to why that works. Uh, she like just, you've got a, a battle going on and you just grab a soldier <laughs> and, and run away with him? I don't know if you've ever seen Mongolian horses from back in the day or Mongolian horses from even now, but they're like donkeys. They're really small also. It's not like the, you know, like the great stallions or that you see in, in America. So you're saying it's hilarious. So you just, she's just riding this tiny little horse. She sees like a tiny little Mongolian man, grabs them and just kidnaps them and rides off with them. <laughs> as deftly as a hawk pounces on a bird. Wait, are we still fighting? What the hell was that? <laughs> she just took Larry. Like those horror movies where like everyone else is getting taken out around you. <laughs> oh God, it's Kutulon. <laughs> apparently off the battlefield and in the wrestling ring Kutulong went similarly undefeated she declared that she wouldn't marry any man who couldn't beat her in a wrestling match those who lost would have to give her their prized horses those tiny horses suffice it to say Kutulong had a lot of horses by the time she was in her 20s and a spinster by Mongol standards her parents pleaded with her to throw a match with one particularly eligible bachelor according to Polo she initially agreed but and this is Marco Polo, by the way, of of a uh, pool fame, pool ch mm. childhood game fame. She initially <laughs> agreed, but once in the ring, found herself unable to break the habit of a lifetime and surrender. So she overpowered her suitor, who humiliated, fled, 
and she eventually chose a husband from among her father's men that married him without submitting him to the evidently impossible challenge to out-wrestle her. So, God, I don't, I, don't, I don't wrestle, but I feel like this, just someone throwing down the gauntlet like that and being like, all right, if you can beat me at wrestling, you can marry me. Uh, like you got to risk your horse, but <laughs> I don't know. There's, some, there's something about that, that gauntlet being thrown down that's, well, I, I guess I want to try. I just feel like, yeah, there, I guess there's like a, a pridefulness in it. But at the same time, I just feel like, uh, you know, I'd rather find someone I connect with. <laughs> so old it's not it's not worth it without some sort of uh, public risk of humiliation and, and challenge. Yeah. Oh, you like you like small horses, too. <laughs> fast and fast and furious. You can't marry me unless you beat me in a race <laughs> too soon junior <laughs> so well i guess we live in different times but she's pretty badass yeah uh, so, so uh the i guess the third group we got together here are uh referred to popularly as the night witches these were pilots in russian or russian I don't know. I don't know what the branches USSR? of their military are called. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The whole. The whole. The whole communist thing. Yeah. Uh. So, uh, women were initially barred from combat. There was a major named Marina Raskova who used her position and personal contacts with the chairman of the Council of People's Commissars, Joseph Stalin, <laughs> to obtain permission to AKA form AKA Joseph combat. Stalin. <laughs> yeah. I know. You could, you could probably ditch the title there. Um, on October 8th, 1941, so this is World War II times, uh, an order was issued to deploy three women's Air Force units, including the 588th Regiment. The regiment formed by uh, Major Moroskova and led by Major Yevdokia <laughs> Bershanskaya comprised... Primarily female volunteers in their late twenties or late teens and early twenties. Uh, the regiment flew over twenty three thousand sorties, dropping over three thousand tons of bombs and twenty six thousand incendiary shells. The all female aviation regiment was not welcomed initially into the military with open arms. Many of their male counterparts saw them as inferior and treated them with a lack of respect. The women of the regiment were also given hand-me-downs of uniforms and oversized shoes by the men, as well as rudimentary tools such as rulers, flashlights, pencils uh, that lacked the luxury that the male soldiers received with their radar, guns, radios, etc. So, <laughs> so they're just like they look like only, clowns with <laughs> oversized shoes. But not only not only are they like uh, competitively skilled at flying and bombing they're doing it like manually so they they are yeah, doing crazy. it all with like, like having to make their maps on paper and things like that which is uh wild to think of are we just soft did we become soft i mean duh. like <laughs> overall <laughs> yeah, definitely they don't know how to do anything yeah you know, but if i th- if like, i threw an ipad in one of th- one of these night witches they'd crumble before my intellectual might so you know uh, yeah yeah that's right <laughs> we're we're hard of brain uh soft of body 
You know, the other day, I was just so mm-hmm. tired that I door dashed Earth Cafe, which is literally oh. one it's around the corner. Oh my god! Literally around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wow! Oh no, Ken! It's yeah, that's... it's smoky outside. <laughs> <laughs> so he just sent some some poor sucker to go. <laughs> I didn't even have to interact they, with him. I just he buzzed himself in. He left the food at the door, and then uh, after he knocked, I waited a few minutes and I picked the food up. Didn't even have to nice. see him. Nice. <laughs> That's the way I like it. Exactly. <laughs> Not having to interface with people. Service without a smile, <laughs> or even a face, or even a face. That's the best. And my food was delicious. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't know if you'll survive the apocalypse. Uh, yeah, well, now comparing myself to these um, these mighty women and uh, the folks who survived our survival stories, I'm thinking maybe when the apocalypse comes, I'll get that gun and just 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 gently coax it uh, up to my head and and just <laughs> oh, end it and, end it with a smile. And, then turn it around and I shoot them. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> <laughs> Who's a weak liberal now? Well, <laughs> I feel better prepared after our conversation. That's good because that's all the facts we have and we have nothing else. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so if anybody's learned anything, I think it's start start from the brothel. Now we're here. Started started from the brothel. Now we're here. Yeah. Well, yeah, them's our facts. Do you feel ready, Manisha? Because now's the test. Readier than, oh. What? Yeah. <laughs> We're actually right outside your door. Are you ready to survive? <laughs> <laughs> We're heading for Nova Scotia. <laughs> We're going to kidnap you and. Uh, <laughs> on foot. <laughs> on foot, and you got to survive in a small plane where there's thunderstorms. Do I have a little bag of candy? <laughs> Fine. <And> one shoe. <laughs> Yeah, but only one shoe, and it doesn't fit your feet. Oh. Oh, Oh, no. Guys, I looked up pictures of Nova Scotia, and it seems there's already people there. (laughs) Is it people you want to hang out with, though? (laughs) I was picturing uh, a lot of blank land for us to settle down in. I think we're going to have to go further north. Wait, there's a lot of people here. If you literally look up Nova Scotia, then go to images. It's just pictures of houses. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like only pictures of houses and like right. a metrop <laughs> a metropolis. New plan, new plan. We're going to Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Monisha, that's all we got. I don't know if you got any final words you want to say, and if this inspired <laughs> you to go out into the into the wilderness and try some of these skills out. Um, yeah, I'm gonna start my training tomorrow, bright and early. Tomorrow comes <laughs> today. I. Now, I I don't think you've understood the lessons of uh, the new Mulan, which are if you're not if you don't have superpowers, don't even bother training. <laughs> don't, don't even ah. bother building up the skills and training in a legitimate way, because if you don't have superpowers, you're probably never going to be Mulan. Give up. Don't even try. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's 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 the lesson. We also saved you. We just also those. saved you thirty dollars yeah, to teach you that yeah. lesson. You're welcome. Thank you. I gained so much <laughs> from this conversation. Great. $30, survival skills, maybe. 
<laughs> <laughs> just some sad stories about people being all alone at sea potentially lovers but <laughs> uncertain can't breathe can't breathe <laughs> yeah, citing this podcast I think I'm going to go update the wiki <laughs> <laughs> yeah command F find all the parts where it just says crewmate and replace it with lover alright well is there is uh, do you have any Anywhere you want us to send people for uh, to find you on social media? Would you prefer they they just back off and and not try to find you at all? <laughs> um, anything you want to promote or tell folks to do? Go vote. Yeah, oh, that's a good don't one. Find me. <laughs> oh, both good. Solid choice. All right. Well, uh, that has been our show. Thank you again to our guest, Monisha. Thank you all for listening. And make sure to check back next week for our very 27th episode. Bye. Now, we've been getting a lot of criticism that our remakes are just straight up remakes. So we're going to mix things up at least a little bit here. You know it, sir. I was thinking we could take the animated movie and remove all the, you know, fun stuff. Oh, that is different.